Hi, hello and welcome. This is the Zonecast where we interview emerging Canadian professionals, entrepreneur, entrepreneurs and academics. And today we have with us on the show, uh, Paul Gezi. He is the founder and CEO of Control Energy. Uh, hi, Paul. How are you? Welcome to the show. I'm well. Thanks for having me. I'm excited for this uh, particular interview and to learn more about you and your venture. Uh, can we start by talking about your professional and personal background? Sure. So I started my career um, long ago as a chartered accountant, uh, but I've always been a deal guy. So I got involved in M&A quite early, uh, had my own uh, M&A consulting business, uh, got involved in the solar industry around 2007, uh, helped launch Canada's first securitized solar fund. And uh, that ran for about seven years and I was looking for my next adventure. And um, I had a lot of contacts in Europe at the time and, and what we were kind of watching from the distance was um, you know, a movement away from large power plants to much more uh, focus on energy efficiency, you know, smart buildings, smart technology. And you know, Europe tends to be about three years ahead only because their cost of energy is so high relative to Canada and the US. And so around 2015, I, I started my next adventure, which is Control Energy. Perfect. So uh, can you tell us about uh, Control Energy and uh, how the idea came about? Sure. We're, we're a green technology company and we make buildings smarter. Uh, that market for us is about 200 billion annually of energy um, and uh, contributes to about 40% of global greenhouse gas emissions. So really, you know, my dream is to tackle two things, uh, make every building smarter, more energy efficient and reduce greenhouse gas emissions. And uh, we do that through technology, which includes Internet of Things, uh, cloud software and artificial intelligence. Perfect. So first, I want to um, focus on the problem that you're solving. So these buildings, um, I guess the commercial buildings or uh, high rise towers, residential buildings, um, how how exactly are they polluting the environment or or uh, producing greenhouse gases, if you can walk us through that? Yeah, great question. So when we think of buildings, we think about multi-residential, you know, apartment buildings, commercial, industrial factories, uh, all slightly different in how they consume and, and produce uh, emissions or consume energy and produce emissions, but very similar. So if you think about any uh, building that's been built over the last 30 or 40 or 50 years, it's typically an analog experience, which means, you know, the building operates, maybe you get your utility bill once a month, maybe there's a little bit of reporting, but it's not a digital real-time experience. So we take buildings through our proprietary Internet of Things hardware and software and put them into real-time, you know, immediately within a couple of hours of us being at the building. And all that data and analytics goes to the building owner, asset manager, operator. And uh, from that point, you know, if you think about how a building consumes energy, about 80% of all consumption of energy is driven by heating and cooling and ventilation, you know, with a little bit in terms of lighting and ancillary. So we're really attacking the big problems in the building and taking that analog experience and making it digital. So I guess. Um the building is consuming a lot of energy and we're talking about electricity consumption here. Uh, win winter time, you need a lot of heating, summer time you need cooling, and then the, you, you always need the ventilation. 
so that that high level of energy that the building is consuming um, that that is the source of of the pollution i guess yeah so think about um the, from the utility side it could be electricity from the grid it could be natural gas uh, there's mm-hmm. also water now within that footprint you know typically every building uh, is wasting about 30 percent uh, due to inefficiency which essentially means they're not running it the building optimally there's lots of waste and so we attack the first thing we do is we attack that waste problem and so just by attacking that waste problem that's about a 60 billion dollar annual industry which has an immediate impact on greenhouse gas emissions so in simple terms if you're using less natural gas to heat if you're using less electricity from the grid if you're being much more conservative with your water consumption all of those things in aggregate over thousands and thousands of buildings helps you know create reduction in greenhouse gas emissions and of course doing that with technology in real time allows us the ability to optimize those buildings and um, the exciting thing for me is you know every building as a customer you can have an immediate impact on reducing waste and reducing ghg you know one of the frustrations i think with um, greenhouse gas it's such a large problem it's really hard to say what is the one solution and in our view we're part of the solution there's many solutions but we're part of it and the idea is we can get there very quickly building by building and have an immediate impact you know which which keeps us really excited and motivated about our business mm-hmm. so your solution is a combination of hardware software and and internet of things for the building property manager i guess uh, which helps them solve the problem right so we've got a um, a gateway we call the smart max so we install our our gateway and our and our gateway can speak with any building automation system that's a legacy system so if you think of about you know um, you know 40 buildings in a square block or two square blocks they may all have a different system we can speak with all those on an open protocol basis so now we're getting the data we move that data to our cloud which is called smart site we begin to analyze all those records. So we've analyzed now over 30 billion data records. Uh, we've looked at almost every type of building. We know how every building works. So now we start analyzing and we look for patterns with our smart learning algorithms and artificial intelligence. And with those patterns, what we're looking for is optimization and removal of efficiencies or inefficiencies, I should say. And then we report in real time in 15 second intervals you know, with live user interfaces with alerts, uh, with uh, sophisticated programming. So that that analog building experience now becomes digital in real time. And following that, then we look at, you know, various improvements and upgrades we can make to the building once all that data is there and we're running in real time. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty interesting. So is there like some kind of hardware or computing technology that you have to physically install in every building? Uh, we we can actually do it two ways. We we can pull data from any building that has what's called a building automation system, so a legacy okay. system, or uh, we can go physically to the building and install uh, our simple gateway, uh, which is basically a smart computer that can pull uh, data from equipment or can pull data from building automation system or any sensor. Once that data is in the cloud, we then configure our system to analyze that in real time look for anomalies. Uh, so anomalies could be things like you're, you're, you're heating your water too much, you could reduce it and still have the same result. 
your set points on your air handling units are off. Let's, let's adjust those in real time. And so all the data that we've collected from all of our customers really helps establish a good operating baseline for every building. And then we can start to rank buildings and give them scores within a portfolio. So now you know which is my worst building, which is my best building, and how to optimize. And so for our customer, the immediate win is they get a win on their energy costs, but they've also got now a lot of data that supports their operations and they're reducing their carbon footprint. Mm -hmm. And this, uh, if you have to do some kind of hardware installation, uh, is it relatively easy to do? Can you do it over a day or is it, uh, is it a process? Yeah, so our system, uh, you know, we can typically get into any building within about three hours, have our gateway installed. And within about a day, we have all the data flowing from the building automation system. Uh, we're really good at that. We've got a lot of experience. Um, we're in multi-residential buildings right now. We're in commercial, industrial, and um, we launched a smart factories platform uh, with Toyota Canada uh, last year. And so now we're in factories. And, um, you know, the more buildings we're in, the more value we're adding. And um, we're also developing new hardware uh, sensors that um, will work with our existing sensors and we just keep building our footprint. And so our goal is um, a thousand buildings. Uh, we're at about 150 growing to 250. You know, at about a thousand buildings, we become a really scale player in the market uh, and really contributing to, I think, uh, a significant reduction in energy cost, energy waste and reducing GHG. That's amazing. I am curious about uh, about your uh, data analytics. So once you've done your hardware software installation and within a day or so you're collecting data, um, are there any specific uh, data variables or metrics you're looking at to, to understand how to uh, help save energy? Yeah, so the great thing about being live is <laughs> you capture all the uh, errors. So my Battery's about to run out. Let me plug in and I'll get right back to you. <laughs> sure. uh, so that's a great question on the data side. Um, mm -hmm. You know, the way we answer the question is customers really tell us what they want to drive in terms of data and analytics. So, you know, every building uh, has a certain uh, amount of data that is kind of relative to the building, the heating, the cooling, the air, the ventilation. You know, COVID is maybe a good example of um, uh, adjusting uh, buildings uh, for a new COVID environment, which essentially means better air circulation, more ventilation, um, managing that in real time, monitoring that. So the analytics are really, they're driven by the customer and the customer says to us, here's what I want to see, here's what I want to know. What can you add to what's existing? And so in most cases, we're providing a base package and then we're also customizing some software and some analytics particular to that customer. Oh, that's pretty amazing. So you started in uh, 20, uh, 2015, uh, this particular venture was started. Uh, when did you start working with your first customer? Uh, so I would say we started 2015 by the end of, um, the year going into 2016, we had our first uh, five buildings. And uh, I would say the most challenging aspect in this industry is uh, buildings are not easy to scale. And, um, you know, a building may be worth $100 million in terms of market value, 
but there's only a certain amount of budget for the data and analytics. And so uh, the way to scale the industry is to have scaling customers, which we're very fortunate to have a number of REITs um, and what I would call blue chip customers that have many buildings that we're scaling into. And in 2016, you know, we had about 1.9 million of revenue. Uh, we finished last year at about 14.5 million. So we've been uh, identified as one of Canada's uh, fastest growing companies two years in a row. And uh, what's interesting about our business is, you know, if economic conditions are tough out there, customers still want to lower their operating costs. Customers still want more data. They want more control over their buildings. So uh, for 2020, we may end up having our best year to date despite COVID just because of the importance of managing assets in real time. And uh, so the business has been doing really well. We're really excited about our future and we feel like we're just at the beginning of our journey. Well, the, the pandemic situation has not affected your uh, business uh, viability and profitability. Well, so the way we've been impacted, uh, we're defined an essential service provider uh, mm -hmm. because we're working on, you know, energy equipment and emissions that uh, have to be monitored and managed and reported on. So from that perspective, we've been open during the pandemic. Uh, where we've been impacted, if, if a customer of ours has had to shut their plant down or was not allowed to give access to the building because of certain restrictions, we've been impacted that way. But the underlying business is actually stronger and we've got more proposals out this year than we did last year. And so once we get through this process of not being able to physically access a site, I think business is going to look better this year than it did last year. And that really speaks to the importance of you know driving a value proposition for your customer or for our customer that's based on them, you know, a smarter building is more sustainable, it's more valuable, and it's more profitable. And that's not going to change uh, despite COVID or, or uh, even with COVID. Um, so, yeah, we're very bullish on 2020 and beyond. Wow, that's pretty amazing. And uh, is your venture the first venture in Canada to offer this kind of service? Or do you have a lot of competitors? Uh, so, you know, it's a very fragmented market. There's, there's, you have large cap competitors, which are multinationals. And then there's a lot of small, what I would call smaller startups, um, kind of incubated out of the Mars Discovery Center. Mm -hmm. uh, and there's not a lot in between. So we view ourselves as that small cap, you know, moving to a large cap. Uh, we decided to take our venture public uh, in the public markets for a couple of reasons. One is we wanted to build the transparency around our financials and give people comfort that we were executing on our vision. I think that's important. Two, uh, we can use our common shares as currency if we're involved in some sort of acquisition tr transaction. Um, and three, it really allows investors an easy way to participate. So if investor likes our story, and they believe in the idea of energy savings, energy efficiency, greenhouse gas reduction, they can participate in our growth by becoming a shareholder. Now, a lot of competitors in our space are private and that's okay. Uh, we just thought from our perspective, being public just offered so many opportunities. And um, and so that's how we've approached it. And yes, there's lots of competitors, but in, in what we call our space, which is small to mid cap, uh, we don't see a lot of competitors in our customers' buildings. So, so now, uh, controlled energy stocks can be purchased through all major stock exchanges. 
Yeah, so we trade on the CSC, uh, the, uh, which is Canada's junior exchange. Our symbol is KNR. And we trade in the U.S. on the uh, OTCQB market, which is KNRLF. And uh, we are building a U.S. following, which is great. Um, our story uh, tends to translate in Canada as well as the U.S. And, uh, you know, as people think about uh, energy consumption and greenhouse gas emissions and buildings, um, I would say there's more interest in our story today than there was three or four years ago. And I think that's because people are becoming more educated. Um, there's more understanding now that buildings are a significant contributor to greenhouse gas emissions. And um, so I think, you know, as we become more well-known, the story is becoming more well-known. And um, it seems to be kind of hitting a sweet spot in the market uh, for those that are interested uh, in this type of um, sector. And um, for now, uh, are your customers all located in Canada or do you have them in uh, various countries? Uh, so primarily right now, I would say 85% of our revenue is Canada, 15% is the U.S. And the U.S. is becoming a growing market for us. And typically what we'll do is we'll scale with our customers. Uh, so if our customer has a facility, for example, in Texas, and then they have one in California, we may be in California first and Texas second, as an example. But we're typically organically scaling with our customers into their other buildings and also attracting new customers uh, as we go. And I'm guessing you also have plans to sell outside North America. Uh, we just announced um, uh, an MOU with a European uh, manufacturer. So um, they're quite large. They do about 600 million of revenue and they manufacture large complex heating and cooling systems. Uh, we're going to partner with them to build a software solution that they can white label for their own platform which gives them and their customers real-time access to their equipment. And uh, we've uh, designated two pilots, uh, one in Germany, one in South America. So those are our first international pilots. And we are looking to expand internationally uh, on a software basis. And so once we complete those, which I would say is about 70 to 80 days from now, uh, we'll have a much better uh, understanding of that opportunity and the size and scale of it. Uh, but our software is, you know, from a perspective of being able to quite easily scale, once we customize it, there's lots of scaling uh, in our enterprise software platform. That's, that's pretty amazing. Uh, I'm curious to learn about your uh, pricing strategy. Uh, do you charge a, a monthly flat fee per building? How does it work? Yeah, so typically what we do is there's an upfront customization fee um, that's specific to the customer. And then we charge a monthly SaaS um, a revenue or a fee, which is between 500 and 1,000 per month uh, per location. And then there's project revenues where the customer says, okay, I've got all the data, I've got all the analytics, um, I need to upgrade my building automation system or I need to add more automation. Uh, that would be considered a project. And then we have a service revenue. So the main components of, of what Control does is a project revenues, a software as a service, and ongoing service. And that becomes bundled uh, as a package depending on what the customer is choosing. And in terms of pricing, our strategy is, you know, we're lower priced than the major global competitors in our market uh, with a very strong margin. But we pay particular attention on scaling with customers where we can go in at a lower price point, still earn our relatively good margin and uh, outcompete our competitors. 
that's generally been our pricing strategy and we've got flexibility in the way we work with customers if we're scaling with them so if they have more than one property you know we, we can get very creative on a solution that works for them and for control mm -hmm. and um, i'm trying to understand the value proposition uh, that you offer to your customers so the one aspect that you mentioned is uh, energy savings and waste reduction um, is there also an aspect of cost savings? Um, are you helping reduce the cost? Um, and more specifically, um, um, in terms of cost saving, are they saving more money than they're paying to purchase your, your solution? Yeah, great question. So any customer in our space is looking for something called, you know, a payback, which is if they invest in a system that's, that's saving them money or improving their operations, how fast do they get their money back? And typically it's a three-year payback, which equates to about a 30% return per year. And so the big win for our customers is immediate energy savings, uh, improved operations because you've got more data and analytics, you know exactly what's going on in real time, which often leads to improved maintenance and asset life. Um, and then you've got typically, if you've done that in a building, the building becomes more valuable um, to the asset manager or the owner. And then you've got the sustainability aspect, which is becoming increasingly important. So, you know, more and more uh, board of directors and stakeholders are asking the question, you know, what did you do this year to reduce your uh, GHE footprint? That's becoming more and more part of the public record. Uh, and so those are the, the, th the three major wins. And it always has to be driven by, you know, the customer needs a financial return um, that's within their mandate. And that typically is a three-year payback or a 30% return on investment uh, for taking the initiative. Mm -hmm. So, so uh, two years after uh, the implementation of your solution begins, the customer will start seeing a financial return. Right. And if you think about it, our, our software, you know, lasts forever. Um, the hardware doesn't need to be replaced. Uh, so for our customer, it's a pretty big financial win. Um, mm. And um, uh, there's really not a lot of capital expenditure required once the system is installed. Our system is very sticky. We have less than 1% a loss ratio on our customers. And typically, we'll lose a customer, which we consider a building, uh, because the building has been sold to another group. Uh, and we have to go then pitch that group on who control is and, and why they should work with us. So we're very sticky. And uh, for, the, for our customer, it's very low CapEx once it's installed and a very high return. Mm -hmm. um, so when, when you're trying to establish your business uh, in, in Canada, did you receive any kind of uh, assistance from the local uh, ecosystems? government support, incubators, acceleration programs, did you leverage any of those services? Yeah, so it's a great question. You know, we really took the approach when we started. We did look at uh, various programs and we said, you know, we're going to take a different approach, which is a little unique, is we're not going to start as a private equity or um, uh, incubator uh, or, you know, kind of discovery incubator. We're going to take this and we're going to scale up and go public early. Now, it's a little different. It mostly doesn't happen in Canada. But the logic was if we can scale. It worked well for us. You know, not every group does that. A lot of groups have gone the traditional route of private equity 
and getting funded that way. We just thought it was for us, it was much better to be public and to uh, work in the public system, uh, which we were somewhat familiar with and grow the business that way. Uh, so I would say both paths, you know, have their own challenges. But for us, uh, being public uh, was, you know, the way to go. And, um, you know, we're very happy with where we are. We started our journey at five cents per share and a low market cap. You know, we're sitting at about 50 in about, you know, four years. We've done very well. We keep growing value. Uh, I'm a large shareholder. Uh, so, you know, I've got about 20% um, position almost in the company uh, personally. And uh, we want to grow this to be something much larger. But, you know, just as important, we're really here to make a difference and to change the planet uh, through our technology, one building at a time. And uh, sounds like a big idea and a big plan, but the way we look at it is every time we add a building, you know, we're impacting something positive in the environment. And so uh, being public, I think for us was the right approach. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I guess in this pandemic, people had a sense to, uh, got a chance to realize how much um, pollution that was being caused, uh, you know, it has been noticed how the air has become much cleaner, how the animal ecosystems have become much more cleaner because, you know, humans are spending less time outside and more time inside. It's uh, so true. It's so true. Our, our footprints have been reduced and uh, all of a sudden the, the environment looks a lot better. <laughs> yeah, so I guess I guess hopefully this will bring more attention uh to 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 using smart building solutions uh to reduce greenhouse emissions and keep the environment much more uh, cleaner um so right now you said you are in 150 or so buildings and yes we're in about 150 we actually are working on an acquisition which would grow that to 250 um and uh so you know our our scale our scale vision is get to a thousand buildings quickly and so that we're making a big impact for our customers and the environment uh, so we're in 150 going to 250 and uh, the goal is to get to a thousand in approximately four years oh so you are in the process of acquiring uh, a competitor it seems uh, we look at companies that have good recurring revenue that are in buildings uh, where we could deploy our technology and immediately make a difference together. So we're, we're very strategic about our acquisitions. Um, we tend not to buy technology because we have a very robust technology platform. Uh, we tend to look at companies that are in buildings servicing existing systems or if we added our technology, we could make a significant uh, difference uh, for the customer and for the environment. And, uh, you know, we look at about one or two acquisitions a year that uh, are really highly strategic. Uh, we don't uh, rush anything, but certainly if we find good value, we're always interesting, uh, interested in adding more buildings to the control family. That, that's pretty interesting. And from 150 buildings to 1,000 buildings in a period of four years, so you're planning some exponential growth. We are. So the way we look at it is uh, we've got an amazing customer base that we're scaling with. So that's part of it. We've got some interesting acquisitions that we're scaling with. And then when you put those things together, you know, in our industry, the more customers you have that have scale potential, the easier it is to scale. So really the hard work has been done for the last three and a half years of building the base. And now it's still hard work, but you know, you're starting from a much bigger base of scale than we were four years ago or three and a half years ago. So we've put in the hard work 
we now feel it's the right time to go for that scale proposition and um, you know we're excited about where where we're going to go in the next four years mm -hmm. so this question i have is about uh, making your company a publicly traded company right so you you decided to do that at an early stage and you had your reasons um, but is generally speaking is there a right time uh, as to when a company should become a publicly traded company or is it really just depend on, on on what approach the management chooses to take? It's a great question. So I, I don't think there's a really, um, you know, generic answer. I think part of it comes down to how you raise your capital. And um, if you can raise capital in the public markets and you have access to capital, you know, being public early is not a bad thing. Um, and so it just really depends on your ability to raise capital and structure. Uh, typically, you would stay private a little longer, build the business, say to 30 or 40 million of revenue, and then go public. That's kind of a more traditional approach. Um, we thought uh, for us, it might be better because we can raise capital in various ways. And, um, you know, let's try and scale this a little faster than the private approach. And I think, you know, it really depends on the management team, where they come from, how they're invested, and uh, what works for them. Uh, so far, this has worked for us, and uh, we like the approach. But I've also seen, you know, company companies stay private a little longer, and go public later. So it really depends on, um, you know, what you're trying to accomplish as a management team, and who your investors are, and how you raise capital. And uh, you know, being public's not easy because the financial scrutiny, of course, you know, is every three months you're reporting. But it also builds discipline. It builds discipline in how you manage money, how you're a steward of, of capital, how you report. And it also allows investors that opportunity to join you on your journey if they believe in your vision and they see where you're going, they want to come with you. It's pretty easy to be an investor, whereas on the private side, it's much more complex. Um, it's harder to get involved in, in a private offering and uh, not everyone can participate. There's certain rules around that. So we thought, you know, well, let's make it public, let's make it easy, and uh, let's put the financial discipline in the business. And that's that's really why we went this route. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's interesting. Um, are you researching or developing any new products or solutions? Um, so this year, it's really interesting. What we're doing, um, because of the COVID crisis, um, Many university students uh, weren't able to get um, their summer jobs that, that they were hoping on. So we've gone out and um, we've got uh, two university students joining us, you know, one full time, uh, actually both full time, but one uh, in-house and one remote. And where we're really going to push the boundaries now is artificial intelligence and uh, much more focus on smart learning. Uh, all the data we've collected over the years, 30 billion data records, how to slice that data, how to use it better, uh, how to make it more valuable to the customer. So where we're really focused is artificial intelligence, number one. Number two, we've got a number of hardware initiatives on the go. So a smart learning thermostat, uh, a number of Bluetooth devices that we can start to allocate with our software in various scenarios. And so it's really artificial intelligence and more hardware and software are the main areas of focus and all driven by what's important to our customers and how do we solve their challenges? Mm -hmm. I guess I guess with the artificial intelligence and machine learning, uh, and all the more data you collect, the more smarter your solutions become. That's exactly right. So we're at the point now where we feel very comfortable 
with the amount of data that we've analyzed in the cloud and, and we keep adding data records to that. And um, so now it's a matter of really getting sophisticated on um, looking at all that data, you know, slicing it into different uh, value props, taking those value props to our customers and having our customers respond to that in terms of feedback uh, and just, you know, in a simple way, making our system smarter and smarter for the customer to benefit and the customer to get the win. And if our customer wins, we win. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. And do you have a particular strategy to attract new customers? Do you have like a sales and marketing team? Uh, we do. So basically there's two ways. One is we're always talking to existing customers about their current building and other buildings that they own or manage um, or operate in. So that's number one. And that those conversations happen daily. Um, the other way we, we grow our customer base is we use case studies, things we've accomplished for various customers. And we use those case studies uh, to pursue other customers uh, from what we've learned and, and what we've created. Um, and then we're quite active in terms of uh, partnerships and, and strategic alliances where we're, we're fulfilling something uh, for a partner that they may need us that they don't have. So for example, a partner who's big in automation but doesn't have software, uh, controls interested in providing some white label uh, opportunities for that partner. So those are really the three ways. Um, organic, direct sales and partnerships are the three main channels. That's that's pretty interesting. Your your company definitely sounds like a true Canadian success story, which is making a difference and uh, also help helping save the environment at the same time. So we're we're really passionate about that. I mean, you know, there's lots of businesses we could be in. We've chosen this one because we're passionate about the environment. We're passionate about energy savings and energy efficiency and, and eliminating energy waste. Um, and uh, you know, Canada is an amazing country, and, and we're so you know proud to be a Canadian success story. That and we, we really want to export our solution uh, to the world, and so that's why we're in the U.S. and starting in Europe. And um, you know, my dream is this is global for control, and we take all of our shareholders with us. And it's exciting times for sure. Absolutely. Well, Paul, it has been uh, very nice uh, speaking with you and learning about uh, control energy. Thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show. Thank you. Thanks for your time. Perfect. Uh, and your website is controlenergy.com and control with a K. That's correct. Controlenergy.com, control with a K. And on the uh, Canadian exchange, we're symbol KNR. Perfect. Uh, listeners, I hope you find this episode to be uh, interesting and insightful. And if you want to learn more about uh, Paul or Control Energy, you can uh, visit your website, controlenergy.com. And thank you so much for listening to Zonecast and stay tuned for more episodes.